Hello, I'm Maryam. And I'm Momina. We have been friends since the seventh grade. And over the last 16 years, we have shared a mutual love of Harry Potter and a general apathy towards Stephen Moffat. But like all things, our obsessions have changed. Momina is into fantasy novels, video games, and songs that make her miserable. Mariam has a love for pop music, fitness, and mindless internet content. In this podcast, we'll do a deep dive on something our friend loves. Maybe we'll end up loving it too. Welcome, Welcome to my, my friend's secret, secret obsession. All right, are we live? We are live. Not really. I would just like to remind you that you're the one who who started this trend and I've, I'm the one who has actually rolled with it. That sounds like this stupid thing that I would do. Very on brand for me. <laughs> you basically did this in K-pop. I don't think you realized it, but you did. And I've just decided <laughs> to run with it. And this is now our opening. Just my performance anxiety spilling out <laughs> of me. Well, it's okay. We were, we were both quite a mess in K-pop. That's true. I mean, when are we not? That's kind of on brand for the both of us. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's basically what this podcast is. Let's just not even lie to ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how have you been? I've been okay. Life is messy, as usual. Mm-hmm. But hanging in there. I will make yeah. it through the rain, as Mariah Carey tells me, personally. I, I will listen to anything Mariah Carey tells me, so... Yes. I feel mm-hmm. like one of my obsessions at some point needs to be Mariah Carey because I absolutely unironically love her. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be a departure for me. Yeah. And then you'll have like a musical obsession. That would be new. <laughs> that would be interesting. Or not. Yeah. Or how like um, she just re-released uh, All I Want For Christmas and she basically stood in one place and lip-synced her way like a, like an absolute queen. <laughs> Didn't change a thing. A queen. I was watching this Vox video the other day about how she's the only contemporary artist to have like a Christmas song ever and how it's so effective. Oh. You should watch that video. It's really amazing. Um, because I think about mm. it, yeah. I mean, I've heard of like, ooh, dreaming of a white Christmas or whatever, but I don't really hear any contemporary. I know Sia has done a Christmas album, but none of them really sort of made a mark like Mariah Carey did. This is, you're basically that meme, you know, where you're like, um, Western publication, no contemporary artist has done a Christmas single. EXO, am I a joke to you? (laughs) EXO. Oops. Oops. Yeah, EXO has some some Christmas bops, some sad Christmas bops. Sad bops? That's a... juxtaposition no aren't a lot of christmas songs are super sad that's true so they're very nostalgic and kind of yeah yeah, glory days baby please come home yeah yeah that's interesting going from one vocal legend to another i know you sort of uh, messaged me the um, new christina aguilera uh, reflection song today and i said let's save it for the podcast so i want to hear your thoughts first (laughs) yes I basically, uh, weirdly, Mariah Carey is the first person who popped into my head because I was like, because, uh, you know, she's in the same vein of diva as Mariah Carey is. Let's just be honest. Christina Aguilera. Yes. Yeah. And Aria Grande is not anywhere close to the both of them. I mean, she's on her way. Let's just give her some time. Ugh. I genuinely love Ariana Grande. 
do you maybe i should get into her more then because i trust your judgment but why does she dress like a 13 year old it's so weird to me <laughs> not anymore i think it was just uh people <laughs> okay. are still holding on to the fact that she's a nickelodeon kid you know how like disney kids just have to do something super sexual completely weird for people to stop yes yeah, yeah. for people to stop thinking of them as like children from well disney or nickelodeon i think she had that syndrome so christina aguilera had to do the whole dirty album and miley cyrus had to do the whole white girl twerking thing yeah so i guess ari ari yeah. well, ari we're basically that we're girlfriends so i call her ari my best friend ari <laughs> my best friend ari yeah. yeah so ari has had a really natural progression so she she didn't have like a dirty or like a twerking I don't even remember what that song was called but you know she didn't have that moment it's been a really yeah. natural progression she just had a licking donuts moment i do have a lot of sympathy for her and i do think she's super talented yeah. but when i she's sort of talented. i hear her cover like mariah carey what's the whistle note song with mariah you know the uh, emotions emotions like, yeah man you were not there yet i appreciate yeah. you but also she has this tendency mm-hmm. like christina aguilera to butcher songs just cuz she wants to show her vocal range So like the Beauty mm. and the Beast song she did with John Legend I'm like no yeah. baby what is you doing She is also like um so she doesn't do the whistle note anymore because obviously she got a lot of those Mariah Carey comparisons mm-hmm. and whenever you have a newer artist you do tend to draw comparisons just to see what like mold they would fit into especially if you cover their most famous song yeah. with the whistle note Yeah yeah but also I I suppose she was trying to um she's trying to showcase her vocal range and then over time she just like her label or just her image just you know they decided that it's um i mean they they can put her into something else so now she does a little bit more modern kind of uh, i don't want to say trap music <laughs> but you know like modern uh, pop with the, with mm-hmm. like <laughs> like tiktok music is what i like to call it where it's just super trendy and oh wow with a lot of like yes i like her yes that she does yes uh yeah yeah <laughs> i can't do it right. yeah she recently did cover um ooh hint hint on what this episode is going to be about but she's uh covered still hurting you know from that musical the last 5 years ooh jamie's over and jamie's gone that song but she's she sung it with such restraint and it's really haunting and it's really beautiful and think she has that sort of a haunting quality to her voice mm-hmm. yeah so i'll link you Yeah, please do. Yeah. yeah, I like when these like vocal sort of powerhouses can have restraint. Have you ever tried singing a Mariah Carey song and realizing just how she has this way of not over-singing, but she is over-singing, but the way yeah. she delivers yeah. it, like you a normal person cannot sing even like an easy Mariah Carey song. No, I I get it. I I personally really love um what's that song again? Vision of Love. I just feel like that's just one of those songs where she just hails through and there's so many vocal acrobatics in in there but you don't see it is the thing with mm. mariah it's just so sort of internalized and if you see her singing it she, you can see she's sort of yeah. you know her hand gesture she's guiding herself through it and her face <laughs> looks like it's in pain yeah. but if you hear the vocal it's so serene and just beautiful mm. and flawless yeah and also she is one of the only sort of vocal divas of that caliber who actually writes her own music oh she does a lot of other people get songwriting credits because they you know do or worse or whatever but she does write all of her own music it's incredible mm, i did not know that 
Mm. Yes. But yeah, I, I just love how we completely just went on a tangent. I was going to talk Christina. about yeah, the Christina song. So I was basically totally mm-hmm. ready for her to do just to pull a Mariah and just do like her 90s, a lip sync over her 90s version of the song. Yes, but it was so different. It was really different. She didn't do the way. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say I'm kind of sad about that because Right? It's iconic. <laughs> this has been a running joke with me and Mariam since we were kids yeah. because we both had a mutual love for Milan and when she goes, when will yeah. my by the very end? That, I miss that. <laughs> same, same. But I, I feel like this version is a lot more sort of powerful and it's not sort of wistful. Mm-hmm. It's just like, bitch, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. But there's that sort of, there still is that emotion. And yeah, there is that oversinging yeah. bit, but I don't mind it. Like if you were Christina Aguilera, you can oversing all you want. Yeah, you've earned it. I do agree. It's I mm-hmm. wish we had a more restrained version from her at some point, but uh, I'm down for it. I also really like her second song for Milan. Have you heard that one? It's called Loyal, True and Brave or something. Loyal, Brave and Strong. You linked, you linked, me, you linked me a while back. And oh, right. I did give it a listen and I liked it, but I'm, I still don't love it yet. I think it, it, it's a grower. I feel like it'll be a grower. Yeah, perhaps. That makes sense. Because like the Moana song was also a grower for me. Which one? I've been stepping on the edge of the water. Yeah. That and Mulan Thai but, are my favorite Disney songs. Ooh, it's favorite movie songs. Sorry, no, I meant favorite Disney movie, not songs. Moana has okay songs. I mean, I like I like a few. I like that David Bowie villain song. You know the one I'm talking about? Shiny. Yeah. Shiny. <laughs> I love that <laughs> I love song. It. It's so David Bowie. Bless his soul. For realsies. And I also love your welcome. Welcome to think of it. Yeah. Because as Desi kids, we like to play the game of what the song would sound like in our language. Uh-huh. And we can't do that with this. <laughs> yeah. We, can't, we basically can't do that with this song because... I was just thinking, what if they do decide to dub this in our language? How are they going to deal with that bridge? Yeah, I've heard the Indian, ver- the Hindi version of Let It Go. And it's by this singer that you would know the name of as well, but I can't. Sunidhi Chauhan, maybe you know who she is, but it's basically Jane mm-hmm. Do, Jane Do. And it's just it's so weird. <laughs> hmm, Jane Do. Jane Do, Let It Go. Jane Do. Doesn't sound like... Powerful. Doesn't sound like it has... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound powerful. It's a bit dismissive, right? Yeah, it's Johnny Doe is sort of our way of saying, just bro, just like, don't bother, kind of. Yeah. 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 I don't even know how long we've just been talking about Disney. <laughs> I don't song. care to be. We should do Disney moment. Huh? Why haven't we done Disney yet? My obsession, I call because I have really boring obsessions, I've noticed. Sure. Go, go ahead. I'd be so happy with this. Down with it. <laughs> We should have like a collective yeah. obsession at some point as well because there's a lot that we love both collectively. Because oh know. yeah, Disney could actually be our um, collective obsession as well. But I feel like you are just a hair more obsessed with Disney than I am. Ooh, are you not like full on obsessed with Disney? I am super obsessed, but I'm just saying you might be a hair ahead. Yeah, it's like the best thing in my life most days. <laughs> so I think that we need to come to the point sooner or later. After 20 minutes of meandering conversation that no one's interested in. The skip brigade. I think we should call the people because I do that in podcasts as well. I generally am not interested in banter most of the time. So I just like skip to the main shit. So the skip brigade will be happy to know that we we have arrived at the topic of discussion (laughs) today. 
I think we also need to add this in the description. Like, skip to this if you don't want to hear us basically talk about Mariah Carey. That's true. I appreciate it, Dag. Before we do that, can I just go on a slight tangent and say, talk about our misunderstanding about the topic? Always, always. So, Mariam and I, we've been pretty busy this week. Uh, week's been pretty full. And so, we just WhatsApped each other. And I said, you know, what should we do? We should do something fun. It's been a downer week. And she said, cats. <laughs> and I said, yeah, okay, let's do cats. And I was working the whole week. And so while I was working, like really technical sort of statistical stuff, I put on videos of Cats the Musical. And I was listening to this really weird shit like Jellicoe adults in cat costumes (laughs) singing about cats. And then I heard memories and I heard a lot of this went on for like two hours. And I was like, okay, this is fine. But is this really Mariam? If it is, then it really is a secret obsession because I've never heard about this before. And I was sort of slightly silently judging Mariam. And then it struck me and I messaged you and I said, wait, Mariam, did you mean Cats the musical or Cats the animal? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) You said Cats the animal and I was gutted because I'd wasted two hours of my life while working, watching like really stupid songs. I fucking love musicals, (laughs) but even I cannot defend this one. I just assumed we meant the musical because yeah. you do love musicals and I do know that yeah. about you. But yeah, that was a waste of two hours of my life. Yeah. And we also couldn't do do animal episodes so close to one another. Back yeah. to back, yeah, because we did gorillas yeah. recently. Yeah. What can we do? Oh, oh well. well. I hope you had fun. Thank you for bringing Jellicle into <laughs> my life, yeah. Anyway, so today's topic I will introduce. Woo-hoo. So we had had a couple of... <laughs> I'm glad to see you've co-opted my woohoo because I, I feel like it's pretty cringe, but I'm glad to see it's catching on. So we felt like we had a couple of downer episodes, so we decided to do something fun, not Cats the Musical, thankfully. It is Moulin Rouge. Woohoo! <laughs> oh my God. Um, so Mariam, tell me. Moulin Rouge, when did you first become obsessed with this? When did I first become obsessed with this? I think it was when mm-hmm. I was 12 years old. Jeez, is it that old? It is super old. I think this is from 2001, oh, wow. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so like one year ago? <laughs> oh, yeah, one year, last year. <laughs> Just last year, yeah. Last Contemporary. Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, when I was 12 years old is when I first saw this movie. And I remember being kind of mesmerized by it, but not surprised by it. And what surprised me was how surprised the Gora audience was when they saw it. What is Gora audience? The white people. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Sure. I knew that, by the way, for anyone listening. (laughs) I do speak subcontinental languages. All of them? That's a really broad (laughs) spectrum. One of them. (laughs) One of the, like, 70 languages. Yeah, the language in the subcontinent changes every 10 kilometers or something, I've heard. Yeah, and you would know that if you'd listen to the Mughal Women podcast, you Philistine. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure we completely uh, misinformed them when it came to the. I think we said uh, 10 meters <laughs> instead of 10 kilometers. Damn. <laughs> it's like sitting in a room. It's like COVID-19 distance. COVID-19. You're sitting in the Urdu bat and I'm sitting in the Siraiki bat. <laughs> Please maintain Siraiki distance. <laughs> yeah. If you're sitting at the end of the room, you're like yeah. two COVID mm-hmm. distances away from me. <laughs> I like that. Not yeah. really, but okay. Anyway, so yes. What were we talking about? 
Yeah, so you saw it when you were 12 and you were not, yeah. you were surprised by how surprised mm-hmm. white people were? Explain that to me. What does that mean? Because musicals are like a thing in our culture and not in their culture, perhaps? Not only that, uh, but the fact that um, Baz Luhrmann was actually the filmmaker was inspired by Bollywood to create this film. So I did not know that. <laughs> he talks about like in the DVD audio commentary, which I haven't seen in a hot minute. Wow, super fan though. Who watches DVD commentaries? Damn. Do you know, I actually don't watch them, but I remember watching them back in the day when I had a lot of time on my hands and yeah, I, I probably true. should have rewatched it. Uh, for this episode but I mean you guys know by now we basically wing this because we have full work days <laughs> yeah light research is our brand yeah and like real-time googling yeah so what was the what was the movie that he saw and I think it was China Gate uh, I haven't seen this movie but uh, there's a song in it Chama Chama which also like features oh, in that's Mulan in the movie itself. yeah it's in the movie yes yeah yeah it uh, it appeared in the film as well. And he saw another film. So he saw a comedy and he saw something like China Gate, which I believe is like a, it's a drama. Don't quote me on that. I haven't seen it. So I haven't seen it either. Yeah. So um, when he saw China Gate, he was really taken by how there was so much tragedy and there was so much like, you know, the dra- the melodrama was incredible. And yet the cast would still break mm-hmm. out into a song and like put like these, you know, musical numbers with a whole um like a whole group of dancers and yeah so and he was basically just really taken by how they can break out in song and have and the audience is still invested and not only is the audience invested they're also pretty much a part of the film so they're cheering they're singing along and it's you know to do like this gora person mm-hmm. to a white person this was really uncool i mean it makes sense because if you think about it uh Greece is very very Greece the musical mm-hmm. I mean the sort of people who watch it are very typecasted right mm-hmm. it's a very love it or hate it sort of a situation where you're like okay yeah. how can you take this movie seriously when it's so campy and and all the college students are like in their 30s <laughs> <laughs> yeah let, and let's not talk about the super rapey song but maybe another day yes <laughs> Jeez, another day. That and the Ray yeah. Charles song. Let's get to that someday. Anyway. <laughs> so he to him, it was super uncool. But the way that people were um, sort of immersed in the film and how they were sort of united and singing along and being, uh, you know, and just reacting to the film. He just thought that was really, really cool. Oh, wow. And he thought it was just, a, it was a really unique way of sharing a story. Wow. And so he basically started thinking about how he would adapt that in the West and for a Western audience. Like, mm-hmm. could they get past like what they thought was cerebrally cool and what, you know, what, what white people perceive to be cool? And the fact that you could frame a tragedy with, around so much comedy yeah, uh, and have everybody break into song and dance. Yeah. Right? So, and also something that um, kind of really inspired him was the fact that uh, Bollywood does not shy away from tropes. So there, um, <laughs> don't we know that? Yeah. So he, um, and so if you, I'm sure that you saw Moulin Rouge for this, um, for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So you would I see did. very obvious tropes, right? So like, uh, the villain is very, very obviously, um, like a mustache twirling evil guy. Like a caricature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a caricature. They're all caricatures. They really are. The children of the revolution and the bohemians, they're all just caricatures. And so is like the the penniless writer and like yeah. the courtesan. And, you know, all of them, they're, they're just tropes and they're sort of very, very obviously a trope. And the, uh, Baz Luhrmann hasn't really shied away from that. Yes. Um, so all of that is inspired by Bollywood. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. I'm just going to cut in for a second and say, so like, you know, the word onomatopoeia, it's sort of things like drip, drip, or things that sound yeah. like the sound they make. So chama chama is one of yeah. those like onomatopoeic words. But if you were to sort of yeah. explain what chama chama is, <laughs> could you, <laughs> this is the song, by the way, that's in the movie that inspired Baz Luhrmann, apparently, according to Mariam. But yeah, what is that sound? Yeah. Tell people. Chama chama. Oh my God. I, I don't want to misinform them, but oh. she says, Chama Chama Bajere Meri what? Meri, like, um, I actually Googled this because I wasn't familiar with this word, but it's Pejanya and it's a, apparently a word for Kungru. Yeah, Paung Ka Challa is like Chama Chama, right? It's like when when kids start walking, they would say, Oh, Chama Chama. Oh, right. So it's when people walk, it's Chama Chama. That's yeah. so interesting. I just thought it was mm-hmm. those, the kungru, the things that you wear that make a sound when you do like classical Indian dance. Mm. <laughs> Pretty interesting. <laughs> but anyway, Bollywood songs be cray cray. Yeah. Yeah. But also like super amazing in that. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason you love it is because it, it plays with trope, but in a very sort of straightforward way. But it's sort of mm-hmm. still like all knowing about the trope. It's self-aware. And so you yeah. like the sort of self-aware quality, I guess. Not only is it self-aware, it sort of makes it makes use of those tropes. And right. so even even the story in itself, it's very, very tropey. It's basically the Titanic story, right? I mean, there's a poor guy and rich girl. Well, she's not rich, but you know, like an unlikely love story. Beautiful girl with dreams unfulfilled. Yeah. 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 And then a a penniless boy, and then there's the rich villain. And yeah. There's a posse of like poor, uh, extravagant characters or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And the the villain has the uh, in the Moulin Rouge vocabulary a manservant who is willing to kill at command. Yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty much Titanic. <laughs> I never thought about. Yeah, that. Titanic set in the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yeah, jeez. James Cameron is a hack, by the way. Mm. Wait, do you mean hack as in? I just feel like his stories are like so simplistic and it's all like the CGI extravaganza. And I'm not against that, but I feel like something like Moulin Rouge is at least self-aware. I think with uh, something like Titanic, he genuinely thinks it's the greatest love story ever told. Like all rich people are bad, all poor people are amazing. I think that he thinks in black and white morality and I fucking hate James Cameron. He's a difficult person to like, but I actually do think that Titanic is a good film. I, I was not on, <laughs> I was not on board the Titanic ship for the longest time. <laughs> Jesus, too soon. Yeah, too soon? Not really. I'll allow it. Yeah, but I agree with you. I have come to love it as I've gotten older because I've realized that I can frame, I can frame cinema the way I want to see it and not with the authorial intent. Mm. And that has made me okay with it because I genuinely think that James Cameron thinks it's amazing and the love story is very complex. Oh, does he? I, I don't know. I just feel like he, he has this sort of like sociopathic, like, <laughs> I, I just feel like he thinks he is the greatest. He's like the Shakespeare of the 2010s <laughs> or whatever the fuck. But I feel like I can appreciate something for what it is and see, okay, this is simplistic, but it's fine because it's 
you know mm-hmm. it, that is the story that is being told and, and that's okay too but i i legit thought that was what the beauty of titanic was that it's such a simple love story it's just boy meets girl they fall in love and the ship sinks on <laughs> i think my issue with it is just that the 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 character the cast of characters are a caricatures which is fine but i think when the inten- intentionality is for them to be caricatures it makes more sense like i think moulin rouge does the it walks the line a lot better but with titanic it just felt like all rich people were assholes all poor people were amazing and it just sort of mm. except for that one shining sort of girl like bella swan from twilight i just feel like it's mm. very annoying in that way but i can just sort of you know i can i can sort of ignore that part now the older i get the less intense i get about movie criticism because i just want to have a good time mm. most of the time because life is shit and yeah. sometimes you want to escape no i completely agree before we just go down the rabbit hole a little bit more mm. i kind of do want to know what you knew uh, what you knew about moulin rouge uh, prior to this podcast okay so this is interesting i thought that moulin rouge was like a i first of all i thought it was about circus performers i don't know what gave me that idea but i think i vaguely mm-hmm. knew that there was a, there was an elephant in there and there's an elephant room <laughs> that's very prominently featured but because i'd never really like seen anything from it oh yeah i thought it was about circus performers like cirque du soleil or whatever and i thought it was going to yeah. be very old timey like sort of like fred astaire i don't know like you know musical numbers from the 50s singing in the rain and the king and i and i thought yeah. it was going to have just like old timey musicals and when the first song the nirvana song smells like the teen spirit um, played i was like <laughs> what the fuck and then 2 seconds later <laughs> kylie minogue was on the screen and i was shocked. <laughs> i genuinely thought it was not going to be contemporary songs i thought Well they did have like um gentlemen prefer blondes which is from um they had diamonds or a girl's best friend yeah. gentlemen prefer yeah. blondes which is a Marilyn Monroe movie that I love and I actually love Marilyn Monroe I think she was a great mm-hmm. advocate for the vulnerable and all that shit but um mm-hmm. an untimely death and all the rest but I was super surprised by how contemporary it was it was set in like the 1900s in Paris but I was expecting it to be set in like the 50s and like old hollywood so that was all mm-hmm. i knew about the moulin rouge and i actually i have taken french at university so i can like order a coffee in french but i did not know what moulin rouge was i knew like red shore rouge but no idea what moulin <laughs> is so i couldn't even sort of have any contextual clues from that <laughs> that's all i knew Ah so you went in not even knowing what the Moulin Rouge is. Yes, I did not know that it was like a cabaret in Paris and the yeah. whatever. Yeah. I I yeah, just researched that just now. Mm, okay. Uh just fun fact, uh mm-hmm. the you know how Nirvana is super protective of their art or like the people of Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And uh so it was like a I believe it was the first time that this uh smells like teen spirit was used in a movie. So a fun fact being that Courtney Love actually auditioned to play Satine <gasps> and she actually is the one who helped in clearing the licensing oh, rights for the song. Damn. Okay, <laughs> can I just say I yeah. have a lot of sympathy and respect for Courtney Love because you've seen that interview with her where she like warns a TV reporter about Harvey Weinstein and she's one of the few people who has actually spoken out about him and who had spoken out mm-hmm. about him before this whole before everyone was like ooh we knew how shitty he was but we didn't do anything <coughs> Matt Damon yes <coughs> Ben Affleck <coughs> George Clooney Gwyneth Paltrow Brad Pitt all of these assholes and i just feel like yeah. um 
when I was a kid and I was really into Nirvana, the thing that we heard was, oh, she killed him. She killed Kurt Cobain. And I just feel like because the door was locked from the inside or some shit like that is the variation of what you heard all the time. And I feel like for a woman who has, you know, she was a huge artist in her own right, super creative, super intelligent. And she spoke out about abuse and no one took her seriously because it said, oh, well, you know, this great male musician has died. So surely his wife killed him. And I just feel like the weight of that mm-hmm. is so shitty for her to live with. And let's just take a moment to celebrate Courtney Love. That is all. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's like, you know, Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. Yeah. Like John Lennon had no fucking mind of his own. Yeah. POC woman breaks up yeah. Venus privilege. Yang. <laughs> <laughs> also, he wasn't a Yank though. That's true. I just said penis privilege gang. Oh, I thought you said yank. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Edit this out. <laughs> I'm keeping it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, but also, like, uh, Courtney Love, I, I feel like the reason that people did not take her seriously is because, you know, people always question her mental health and if she yeah. is in her senses uh, when she states something. And But also, this is a famous Weinstein, Weinsteinism like if he wants to um, sort of delegitimize somebody's story or claim against him, he either yeah. uh, like starts questioning their mental health or what he does is he makes sure that this person never finds work again so that be, so that reporters don't go Discredits to them. them. Never thought about that. Yeah, let's make, let's make Weinsteinism a word now. I'm trying to make it happen, people. We couldn't make fetch happen, but Weinsteinism... Yeah. Let's push for it. Let's no. Let's actually not make that happen because, like, I don't want it to be like celebrated as a word. I don't want that asshole to be celebrated as a but word. But isn't he like connected with a shitty thing? Shouldn't we do that? I hope so. I hope he stays connected with shitty things for as long as his memory lives on. Yeah. Do you know? Even if you today, if you Google bad writers, um, because people on Reddit had this like smear campaign. If you Google bad writers, the um, writers of Game of Thrones pop up. It's hilarious. David Weiss, uh, Dan Weiss and David Benioff. It's the best thing. Jeez. <laughs> I love it. D&D and Muffet should have just known where... They should have just known where they've overstayed their welcome. That's true enough. This <sighs> is where, you know... Um, what is the Breaking Bad writer's name? Uh, shit, what is his name? Um... Vince Gilligan. Gilligan. Vince Gilligan, the <laughs> little finger lookalike. Yeah. He looks like little finger, right? He does indeed. But I feel like this is where he is sensible and he knew that he had overstayed his welcome, so he wrapped things up with Breaking Bad. Yeah, and I think Breaking Bad doesn't have a single bad episode. Come at me, people who think the fly is the worst episode of TV. I will fight you. What the fuck? Yeah. Who thinks the fly is a bad episode? It's very polarizing. Like Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Vince Gilligan, I love him. He talks a lot about Akira Kurosawa, which could be one of my obsessions at some point. But yeah, he's like a legit dude. And kind of like good looking, I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, he looks like little fingers. Well, that tells you about my <laughs> sexual proclivity. <laughs> <laughs> looks like little fingers, nicer. Brother. Slightly artistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I her. Jeez Louise. Why have I started saying Jeez Louise like it's a normal thing for a brown woman to say? Why do I say Jesus Luesus in response to that? 
Jesus Christ, we need help. Okay, so back to the Moulin Rouge. Uh-huh. So you were talking about the... Per- so you're talking about the first time that you okay when was the first time that you saw the film um like i'm gonna say six hours ago <laughs> are you fucking serious i had never seen it i generally what? don't really like musicals i have seen like i love sh- like mary poppins and the sound of music because like julie yeah. andrews will always have my heart and i grew yeah. up on those musicals love them but i think of contemporary musicals i've seen maybe like chicago i have seen grease hated it it's really annoying um chicago i liked it was okay but yeah it was ooh one of my favorite ones is the rocky horror picture show which is just incredible love it but never seen a musical other than that and i thought i would just hate it okay so first impressions um I know this is a l- little bit later on into the episode for me to be asking mm-hmm. you that. But first impressions, what did you think? Well, first of all, I was just very surprised. It starts with black and white, right? And I was like, okay, this is the thing about this movie. It's like this old-timey black and white 1950s Hollywood thing. And then, as, as I said, Nirvana came on and I was like, Jesus Christ, what? And the editing style was very interesting to me. So I was hooked sort of from the first five minutes in because... it felt very contemporary and it felt like the director had a vision and i feel like that's not a thing that you uh, it's a thing like you know i'm interested in writing as well and i've always been interested in film and i think you know people say about books that if you you can tell from the first two sentences if this is a writer that you want to read for the rest of the book and i feel the same with movies as well it has to start with something that sort of indicates vision and i felt like this movie has vision so i was sort of sucked in from the very start Um I kind of want to tell our listeners that when it comes to pop culture Momina is kind of like uh the movie expert and I'm kind of like the music expert. I say yes. expert in like the very broad sense of the word. I just mean like in our friendship. <laughs> yeah, we say expert the way we said alien expert of brother from our Diatlov boss episode <laughs> which you should totally watch. You really should. <laughs> I mean not watch listen. You should also yeah. listen to the mini sode. It's all up yeah, now. Yeah, I think the mini sword is the best thing we've ever done, <laughs> which <laughs> says a lot about this podcast. Oh If man! We first out of the equation. It gets really fun. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, so Momina is kind of like the film expert in the Momina Mariam equation. So mm-hmm. I actually, uh, you know, I'm really, um, I'm really kind of interested to know. more about what made you like the editing of the film because it is one of the things that people hate so moulin rouge is just like a love it or hate it movie some people think it's one of the best movies of all time and some people just cannot stand it and mm-hmm. whenever people who hate the movie uh they bring up why they hate it the editing is one of the things that they talk about so can you sort of shed so your very educated light on why you found the editing to be one of the stronger points very uncomfortable with the way you have set me up um <laughs> i am not an expert on film at all but i feel like for me oh, the editing was just <clears throat> i'm a huge fan of like visual storytelling and i feel like uh, sometimes mm. movies you know do the they they tell and not show and i feel like with the moulin rouge movie they were showing everything and yes a lot of it was sort of close ups on the actors faces and they were emoting a lot and perhaps overacting but i feel like cuz we are from a subcontinent we're kind of used to that and so it's not super jarring to us but i feel like the editing was doing a great job of you know keeping you interested by 
sort of feeding you details all the time. And I also feel like one of my favorite genres of movies is like screwball comedies from the 1950s. And they were these movies that were typified by women who spoke, you know, who basically wore the pants in any relationship. So I'm thinking of like a Philadelphia story with Catherine Hepburn or basically any Catherine Hepburn um, movie ever made. She was amazing. And, and, and so the thing with those movies was they, um, the dialogue was faster than the speed of thought kind of. So for contemporary people, maybe think of the way Sherlock from the BBC Sherlock series speaks, Benedict Cumberbatch. He speaks faster than the speed of thought. And I felt like the editing, when it is that frenetic, kind of makes me feel like there's something interesting going on. There's something that has a slight amount of depth, or at least I think in this movie, perhaps it was in depth, but it was humor. The editing was a great way to cut through the sappiness and the sort of saccharine love story and sort of tell you, hey, you know, we have this vision and this is the journey that you need to be on. I don't know. It's probably not a very good answer, but it kept me interested. Mm. Uh, I don't think that people mind the close-ups. Uh, what they do mind is just how uh, choppy it frenetic. is and how, yeah, it's how super frenetic. But I think um, they're trying to sort of capture like how the mania frenetic it, of inspiration, the mania, of performance, yeah. No, and the mania of the Moulin Rouge itself. Like it was this yeah. sort of a, you know, an underworld entertainment center where people... Yeah. Where you know you have you had like a cast of characters just come in and enjoy the show and um, so in the same uh, I don't I really don't want to draw that comparison but you know how like people think of uh, drag shows and cabaret shows and um, in the current world and like the modern world mm-hmm. that's how people would think of Moulin Rouge back in the day yeah yeah so I think that's what the editing. And obviously the sort of Bollywood mania as well as what they were trying to capture. Yeah, but I think because the set design and the production value of this movie is so high, it's very easy to see it as this sort of glitterati, this like super sophisticated, you know, cabaret, whatever thing. But I think the editing makes it prettier. It makes it more real and it makes it more... I think that's what I really like about it because otherwise it would be too sanitized and it would be too sort of picture perfect. But the editing Mm -hmm. makes it sort of grotesque and perverse and of something that you mm. sort of this hidden underbelly and yeah. and yeah I, I really appreciate like a vision from a director and I feel like mm-hmm. I call uh, Tom Hooper which incidentally is the guy who um, directed Cats and he directed Queen's Speech <laughs> and or the King's Speech sorry and I call him Mr. Point Shoot Cut because his movies are just so fucking bland they're like the you know like cinematic equivalent of like vanilla ice cream they're just so boring there's no vision he's just telling a story he tells it like point blank and leaves. But with mm. this, I felt like there was some energy, some personality behind the lens, which I appreciate. Mm. Okay. Uh, so you actually appreciate a little bit of like a like visual storytelling aspect that the Moulin Rouge yes. was trying to attain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gritty is a good word that I uh, the editing really sort of, I think, captures just the, the gunkiness, almost the kind of sliminess of... Uh, Seediness, yeah. Yeah. Of um, the underworld that they were trying to show us. Yeah, it wasn't super polished because it's not supposed to be. It's like a, yeah, it's with mm. courtesans and like having sex for money and stuff. Mm. So uh, I also kind of briefly want to touch upon like the characters because this is also one of the one of the reasons why they are very, very criticized and why people hate this movie. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the characters? 
Well, there I would agree with you because I feel like the or I would agree with the critics, I should say. I do agree that the characters are very one dimensional. They're sort of paper thin. They have this one thing that they want. You know, the woman, Nicole Kidman's character, she wants to basically be free of the yoke of this performance and she wants to live, you know, a life that is more meaningful. The writer wants to see his words displayed and, you know, for his art to have meaning and understand love and I feel like the characters are just very super one-dimensional. But again, I feel like because I think the movie is self-aware, it kind of works for me. I don't mind it at all. I don't think characters have to be super complex or super gray and morally sort of, you know, complex all the time. You know, you have to service the story. And if the story, if the point of the story is to make you feel elated or to make you feel some sort of emotion, and if you can do that without having, I just, I just don't think it's a big deal. I um I agree with you because this is I don't think that it's um a movie that is very very character driven. Yeah. Like because you know what happens with the characters. Like we learn within the first 5 minutes um of the film what the outcome of uh, Satine and Chris- Christian is. Absolutely. So yeah, but yet every time I watch it I still kind of find myself wanting them to have success. Yeah. Um and knowing it's only to happen so I'm still able to sort of um empathize with the characters but I also do feel like it's okay for them to not have that that much of a complexity. Uh I just remember uh watching the movie Room mm-hmm. with Brie Larson. Yeah. And so yeah and you don't mean this cinematic masterpiece The Room? <laughs> the Room. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Room uh without the article. Got it. <laughs> but not the Tommy was so would be so sad Man. but Tommy. it's okay some other Tommy, Tommy. but um so you know that is a movie that is super super character driven and if Brie Larson did not perform the way that she did i don't think we would be able to empathize yeah. with her the way that we did mm-hmm. um not that <laughs> that's i mean her situation was awful and anybody would but but you know what i mean as far as like acting goes if she hadn't given that sort of a performance we wouldn't really know what sort mm-hmm. of trouble uh, the mother yeah. and her child were in and how sort of weighted it was but i just feel like here it's pretty crystal clear what they're going through and what would happen to them so all we can do is kind of hope for the best and kind of enjoy the ride yeah it's tale as old as time yeah and that's okay too so i'm just getting the sense that you did enjoy the movie Yes, you you oh. have the right sense of this. <laughs> I think it was partly because I've had like a particularly shitty week and I just wanted to escape a bit. But also I just think there's nothing wrong with I mean I kind of used to be super pretentious about like pop music and all of that kind of shit which you do when you're a teenager, but the older I grow the more I realize that dude, if if something's making you happy and it's interesting mm-hmm. and and at least mm-hmm. instead of you know it shifts up your life a bit then then why the fuck not yeah. and yeah I, i i really enjoyed this movie and it was beautiful to look at and i also think that the acting really does save it because i think with two leads that were not as charismatic as you and mcgregor and nicole kidman it perhaps wouldn't have been so interesting but mm-hmm. nicole kidman is again remember last time we spoke about I don't know which actor I think it was Olivia Wilde when we said that she she was sort of too beautiful to be taken seriously and I feel like Nicole Kidman had the same issue where she just sort of kept getting sort of not very amazing roles and and now she has become a powerhouse because she is you know a genuinely amazing actress 
And mm. I feel like even in this movie, you can see that, you know, I'm assuming, did she do her own singing for this? She did. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's quite a difficult task to, to pull off, I think. And I, I think the charismatic actors make a huge deal of a difference in movies like this. Mm. But also, uh, you know how you mentioned like as teenagers, uh, you kind of did not like pop music. Uh-huh. You wanted to be interested in something that gives you a little bit more, like adds to your Meaning. personality a little bit more. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a little bit more meaningful. Whereas I have always unabashedly been <laughs> into trashy uh, like music and into like pop culture. That is like absolute filth. Mm-hmm. And I have always kind of loved that. And I feel like this really, I know we bring this up in every episode, but it really kind of describes our dynamic really, really perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also there was just something that um i was i remembered and i was like damn i'm gonna i'm gonna tell momena about this and it's just how ironic oh that. no don't do this to me i'm so sorry but i was just thinking back to the time where like we were um we were having a sleepover and momena kind of wanted to make this like really sophisticated artisan bread mm-hmm. um by hand and so that's what she made and she made me do it and so <laughs> the entire time that we're uh, making the bread I'm super super like on edge and I just like I'm hating my life because it's if anybody has ever made bread before it's by hand before it's just the most painstaking <laughs> process in the world like I cannot describe the amount of labor that goes into making just like a loaf of bread and it just also surprised me why we get bread for so cheap now <laughs> because it took away way too many hours. But anyway, so Momina made this lovely piece of artisan bread. And so we thought, uh, what, sh- what would pair well with this artisan piece of bread? And so this is where my input came in. So I opened up a packet of instant soup. <laughs> oh, no, I remember this now. Yeah, yeah. Flashback. Instant soup. And I added just like for originality, I added a splash of milk and a whole ass chili pepper. <laughs> it was the most beautiful like piece a loaf of bread in the world I've ever eaten with the most disgusting instant soup ever I think it was the worst thing we've ever had and if that doesn't describe our tastes and our abilities <laughs> I don't know what does like that is just peak Momina and Maria <laughs> jeez Every time you talk about this, it makes me feel so like, I just feel so much cringe because I feel like I gave off this vibe of like being super pretentious and uh, I'm not into pop music. <laughs> but I feel like I, <laughs> I, just, I, 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 I really can't relate to that person anymore. Mm. I think I've grown up a lot. Yeah. But <laughs> thanks for reminding me of that terrible soup. We should have that another day. Jeez. Oh, Another pro tip, if you want to get high without smoking any weed, have strawberry ice cream with Fanta. Jeez. It works. <laughs> Remember oh, that? man. I think we were just teenagers on the biggest sugar rush ever known to mankind. No, but no, there needs to be some context for it. We also had had no sleep. So I was over at Momina's place because, I don't know, I was good at maths back in the day or something. Um Yes, as uh, you are even now. Don't sell yourself short. Uh, I, I mean, I'll... I haven't mathematics in a... <laughs> Don't you have a degree in accounting? I I do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I have a degree in finance and account. It's finance. Yeah. It's finance. All go. right. It's just like adding and subtracting some numbers. There is no... You can't no keep more calling me an anthropologist and then say, oh, I used to be good at math in the 
eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. but so I was over to help Momina out with, I don't know, an exam or something. And so we were sort of pulling an all-nighter and this is what Momina gave me. So I would stay awake to help her. And I just had the worst sugar crush of my life. <laughs> Man, to be young again. Did I say In sugar my- crush? I mean, I think you did. Like yeah. A- <laughs> I should comment on it, but I was like, meh, sounds good to me. Sugar Crush. That's a good band name. No, that's, that's, uh, that's from Candy Crush. Oh, damn. Yeah. You know what else I thought was a good, um, band name? So remember like, um, so I was doing some research on, uh, This should just be one of our segments. (laughs) No, this is to do with Moulin Rouge. Excuse me. So I was doing some research on the movie and I found out that Alexander Dumas the guy I think he wrote the three musketeers don't kill me I didn't look it up but I've never read it but Mm. uh, he wrote this uh, (laughs) book called La Dame aux Camellias or the lady with the camellias and it's about a courtesan Mm -hmm. with consumption and I thought so Mm -hmm. in our Diatlov past minisode we talked about bananas on our backpack being a great band name (laughs) oh my god and right now what did (laughs) we just say I've already forgotten Oh, sugar crush. Sugar crush. And so another great one is courtesan with consumption. Come on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what would the modern day version, like modern day name be? Like uh, prostitute with tuberculosis? Yeah, like ho with TB. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, world. We should not be laughing so hard. <laughs> Something yeah, like I'm that. sorry. That's true. It's, right, it's here concerning. we are. Can I, yeah, I just feel like I was quite, I was editing the Diatlov, no, you were editing the Diatlov Passman episode, but I was listening to it and I just felt like I was being very um, sort of disrespectful with it as well. But I just, something that I'm going to have to learn to, because my mind goes in those places and it's just, yeah, anyway. Um, no, it's okay. We live and we learn. <laughs> that is true. So can I talk about the lady with the camellias? I, I read this sure. thing about it. So basically the movie is based on this um, play, I think it was, or a novel. I don't know. I didn't check, to be honest. But it's about this courtesan who wore, so a camellia as a flower, if you didn't know, because I didn't know. But she wore a red camellia when she was menstruating to show to people that she wasn't available for sex. And a white one when she was available. So I just read that and I thought, you know, how different would life be if, women in the corporate sector could do that as well just wear like a red badge to be like bitch stay the fuck away from me i do not want to hear about your dog right now do you know what i mean absolutely yeah just have like a flag up or something yeah like i don't want to hear about your finances or how your wife and you fought yesterday just like leave me the fuck alone Mm. and i would like to amend that i always want to hear about people's dogs even if i'm on my period oh yeah People's yeah. cats and people's dogs? Or just dogs for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's both for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. I am so excited for the cat episode because I genuinely can talk about cats like for an entire conversation without getting bored. I usually stop because I feel like that the other person is getting bored. <laughs> but I can genuinely talk about cats all fucking day there's a podcast called the Percast. have you heard of it <laughs> no i haven't you would love it it's basically celebrities come on and talk about their cats Aww, <laughs> that's so cute i to oh. me it sounds like a nightmare but okay he's <laughs> oh, wow. just like no thanks jesus no, christ why is that a nightmare 
I don't know. It's like cats are not interested. I, I guess I need to meet. A, you need to introduce me to an interesting cat. You can come over. I'm cat sitting for my friend right now. Oh, that is this true. This cat is an asshole. Like both my arms just have bite marks. They're full of bite marks. People, Yikes. if people look at me, they probably would think that I cut myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, it's just a feline, a feline asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. also the cutest little bunny asshole feline. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sounds so wrong yeah i'm sorry basically all cat owners or cat lovers have stockholm syndrome <laughs> <laughs> please louise yeah no but when it comes to animals i'm sure that uh, people got a sense of that from our gorilla episode we actually can talk about animals all day i remember this one time where we just we were hanging out with each other but all we did was just look at animals in the the, the berlin zoo online oh did we <laughs> yeah yeah basically that's yeah, what it we sounds do. like something we do mm-hmm. yeah people are really going to wonder what we do when we do in fact hang out <laughs> yeah i mean mostly it's just singing disney songs and me feeling yeah. bad because my voice is pretty shit but mariam sounds amazing so and mariam is a great oh artist too, by the way it's just like she sells herself short and i just don't know how to deal with it because it makes me awkward this is false advertising it is so not it is false advertising jeez christ okay now so it's turned from jeez louise to jeez christ by the way that is where we are at now jeez christ jeez chris jeez chris Chris. yeah like jeez chris tb and jeez chris just cannot be bothered with like vowels anymore jesus louisus there we go (laughs) okay uh so yeah coming back to the acting yes. part of it is also something that a lot of people hate so how how did you find the acting i mean i thought the acting was possible i feel like the actors had a lot of charisma and so it pulled me through i do feel like i don't know i really love you and mcgregor and nicole kidman and just saying i know you said to hold the singing part for a while but horace slughorn singing like a virgin is the pinnacle of my life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That entire <laughs> that entire sequence is arguably the creepiest part of the entire movie. It is the best part of the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Was Slughorn in the books like I didn't I didn't get the feeling that he was married, right? No, he wasn't. He didn't have children, so he'd collect his students. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, I had a professor like that. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people are like that, but that's fine too. You don't have to have kids to be fulfilled in life, people. Absolutely not. Not what I was implying at all. Yeah, I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been meeting a lot of relatives over the last week who even at a funeral have been asking me when the fuck I'm going to have kids. And I'm just like, Ugh. I just don't know why people find like the weirdest shit to bring up during funerals. Yeah, it's really weird. And then they laugh inappropriately. And you think, okay, they're just grieving, you know, in a different way. And I shouldn't judge them. But then they yeah. say just like really weird shit. Or when they want to be sort of pampered and served and like, it's, like, it's a fucking funeral. Like get your yeah. own plate of rice, Aunt Jemima. Yes, that is so true. Isn't Aunt Jemima now like mm-hmm. a racial thing that we shouldn't say? What is Oh, Aunt yeah. Jemima's the pancake mix. Yeah, yeah. I, I was referring to... I, I was, know you were. <laughs> I was I referring to my Aunt Jemima, okay? I just want to be very, very... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aunt Jemima. Just flagging it up. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, do you know what the thing with acting is? I can never really tell unless you are being super, super bad at it. I can never really tell the difference between good acting and bad acting. Who would you say, like, in male and female, are bad actors in Hollywood generally right now? Oh my God! So I'm not a film fanatic, so I wouldn't be able to make that differentiation. Mm-hmm. I would, however, say that there are some celebrated actors. So I was just going to say because I cannot differentiate between good and bad acting, it kind of goes both ways. If somebody gives like a average performance, mm-hmm. but they manage to convince me, I I wouldn't really know if they, uh, you know, until I read like the critics' uh, word on it, I wouldn't really know that they did a bad job. And then there are also some really celebrated actors uh, like Leonardo DiCaprio, who sometimes I find like are not my cup of tea because I sometimes feel like Leonardo DiCaprio overacts. Yeah. I feel like he's a very bland actor. Mm. But also he's so celebrated that you are almost convinced by just his fanfare that he is just one of the greatest actors of all time, just because of, just in how people talk about him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The name that pop- pops into my mind is like Kristen Stewart in Twilight, but I feel like it's not her fault because I've seen her in other things and she's really good. I just feel like that character has no substance to it. But th- then again, like if she... The Fifty Shades series is like a fan fiction of Twilight. Uh, Twilight, right? So Twilight fan fiction. Yeah. And so I did. I did watch the first movie, mm-hmm. and I feel like the 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 Bella Swan character in the Fifty Shades series was a lot more likable. So I do feel like this is one example where I did see how performance could bring like a super awful character to mm-hmm. life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird example, but there we go. It makes sense. Yeah. I never. I've never claimed to be highbrow. <laughs> so, um, so I actually thought Nicole Kidman's performance was beautiful and mm-hmm. I also at the same time thought that Ewan McGregor wasn't enough enough props for his performance because I don't know the cultural context around the movie I didn't know that his performance wasn't as well received as Nicole Kidman's but I thought they both did a really good job and I feel like the star of the show really yeah. was to me Jim Broadman, Horace Leghorn <laughs> I feel yeah. like he really encapsulated that sort of you know, wealthy elite person who's trying to make his own. And or well, he's not even elite. He's just sort of this like, uh, what's the hustler. word? Yeah, he's a hustler. Hustler. He's the so, hustler. The sort of grittiness. Yeah. yeah, but also he he is a very uh, seasoned Western actor, so yeah, he would understand that genre really, really well, much better than these cinematic actors. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and you can tell that he's sort of playing a part and he's he doesn't really care that he's hamming it up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I absolutely love about this yeah. movie is that it's not trying to be highbrow. Yeah. It sort of knows what it is and it really sort of just, you know, runs with it. And I absolutely adore it's it. It's not that um, even McGregor was criticized for his performance, but the conversation was more around Nicole Kidman's performance. Was it one of her like first movies? No, <laughs> this is from 2001. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen like birthday with her and you meet Watts, which is like far older. Yeah. Birthday yeah. girl. I think it's called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That makes sense. It's super, super. Um, <laughs> it's super old, but it's not makes like sense. one of her first at all. Although I cannot say the same for even McGregor. Oh, that's true. Uh, he was probably in the the Star Wars series before that. No, but then he's also done train spotting before that. No, no, I don't. Uh, for, uh, yeah, you will just take this part out. <laughs> I will not. I feel like every time you say don't take something out, I definitely want to keep it in. <laughs> but you did mention in the last episode, you did particularly ask me to keep something in and I did take it out of the main episode. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is why so Mariam edits the episodes with um, 
my obsessions and I edit the episodes with hers. I don't know. We thought it would be interesting yeah. because it's sort of boring for yeah. like a person who's actually a fan to edit because they would keep all the like boring details in. So yeah, this is my show today. Yeah. People. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say I really loved. I just really loved how much importance they gave to the Elton John song. That is one of my favorite songs of all time. Okay, ah. Momina. Okay. I'm going to say something controversial. Oh no. Don't do it. I might like I might like this version of the song better than the Elton John version. I am with you. I am 100% oh with you and I am surprised you can think that. <laughs> I once heard Stephen Fry talk about your song. I don't know what the context was, but he said it was the first time that someone had written a song that was sort of, what's the word, like uh, stream of consciousness? It was like, ah. um, but then again, no. And you know, that song is sort of pretty much a person speaking to mm. their loved one. And songs before that were very sort of artificial and very sort of thought through. Mm. And this was like a stream of consciousness thing. Someone's thinking about their loved one and it's not perfect. And that's what makes the song so good. Mm. And I felt like the context of the movie really sort of played up to that. So these were people just talking to one another. And I feel like the intent of the song is carried through very well. So I absolutely agree with you. I love the version of the song. Before I like say more things to agree with that, just I was just thinking of oh, what other songs are like that, where it's a stream of consciousness thing, consciousness thing. And it just reminds me of the Little Mermaid song. Oh. What's the word again? Oh. <laughs> that is true yeah actually while you do that i mean little mermaid was in the 90 early 90s or was it in the late 80s it was 80s I, don't know. I think it was the late 80s yeah mm-hmm. damn so yeah you're right actually so stephen fry that's what you get for being a smart ass <laughs> britain's national treasure damn that is a brilliant song it is a great song the movie though We'll talk about that some other day. Some other day about the problematic Hans Christian Andersen uh, adapt- adaptation. But um, there's mm-hmm. a very cute video on YouTube where the um, voice actress who actually sings the song, uh, sings the song out live in some like Disney parade thing. And she says, what's the word again? And the whole audience shouts out feet and her face just lights up. It is adorable. I love watching that video. That and there's like a Leah Salonga video where she's singing with a fan and he is like fan gaying over her. Oh, for realsies. And he's like, he's like nearly tearing up and then he's just like losing his shit. Yes. And she's just like super nice about this. Yes. Really composed. Oh, yes. We would all be that, that kid. <laughs> Leah Salonga. Sure. As much as I love Christina, like to me, Leah yeah. Salonga is Disney. Is she, she is the magic of Disney. <laughs> do you know what i realized today i was googling stuff as you do and i realized there was like a three minute version of the mulan song in the cartoon and she talks about "Ooh, who is this bride i see and it's just like no thank god disney for cutting it yeah it's just like a really weird like really super specific <laughs> i'm like i don't think little girls can relate to that <laughs> daughter daughter i don't know why i'm so american to be fair, I also did say pass, but I was just trying to copy the diction of the song. <laughs> I mean, we're not from the UK or America, so it's like, I don't know what the fuck our accent is. People in our country used to say that I sounded British, and when I told that to my British friends, and they were like, no, you sound so brown. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks. Thanks. Anyway, 
I just feel like uh, so, so people who hate the movie, they sort of kind of um, talk about it as like a jukebox musical, which is lazy because you pick songs that are, mm-hmm. you know, contemporary. And so it just doesn't create that much of an impact more. But it does create a lot of like buzz when it comes to oh. film promotion. And I just think that's so it just really discredits um, how thoughtful the selection of the songs are. Because um, like every single song, just really uh, the way that they have remastered it and like just their take on it is so beautiful in my in my opinion. Like the way that they sing the David Bowie song "Heroes" <gasps> and how they sing it in a with a tone of like celebration and joy and like they found each other. Yeah, it makes me so emotional because I'm a huge David Bowie fan because I'm are. a sci-fi nerd and I feel like David Bowie sort of typified all of that am- amazing sort of shit of being everyone, yeah. being no one, standing for everything. When they say we could be lovers and I'm be like, lovers. yes, that is what he was about, yeah. bitches. And then also also just th- that entire banter also, right? That she's a courtesan and she cannot live her life on her own terms and he's a penniless writer that just has no sort of steam behind him. And then they're just thinking about, I just think it, they really took the heart of the song and kind of just, it's perfect. That adaptation is perfect. And in the same way, how they took like a song like Roxanne, which like um, the song by the police. Mm-hmm. I also prefer this version a lot more because just like the jealousy aspect and how they made it a little bit darker and a little bit more melodramatic. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's beautiful. Yeah. Right? That's very true, actually. The way they, I never thought about this, but the way they treat yeah. the songs, the way they sort of manipulate the songs to mean something more than they are or to sort yeah. of, you know, exploit their meaning is very interesting yeah or like pick an emotion within the song and kind of like amplify yeah, it absolutely. i think that's what they've done yeah like the nat king cole song <sighs> that they opened with nature boy like it you know the forlorn way that even mcgregor sings it i just it just heartbreaking so who knew that. he could sing like i had heard uh, remember there's a right. what is that nicole kidman song with robbie williams something stupid and I didn't know Something that. Yeah, and I remember like thinking, <laughs> okay, it was a fine song. It's a Nancy Sinatra song, and she could sing really well. So like Nicole yeah. Kidman is just like me. But I didn't know that mm. Ewan McGregor was really sort of. I mean, he doesn't have the greatest voice, but he's very emotive, and I think mm. that to me is like someone so who's into stories more than into like, ooh, she hit an F sharp or whatever the fuck. I don't know any musical <laughs> notes. But yeah I, yeah, I thought that it was it was a very moving um, production mm. and you could tell that people really cared about this movie. Oh my God. And uh, just when he sings your song and he goes, my gift is my song. I'm like, <laughs> yes, queen. Like every time he hits those notes, I basically die. Yeah. And my only other sort of understanding of Moulin Rouge was like the, the, like the whole song, as I like to refer to it, which I shouldn't because like women are allowed to express their sexuality mm-hmm. however the fuck they want. But I remember when we were a kid coming from like a conservative society, the, um, what's that song called? The Lady Marmalade song, Marmalade. And it means something like, do you want to sleep with me or something? Coochie, coochie, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember that being super racy. And I just thought that it was like a racy kind of film. Like that was the point mm-hmm. of the films, a lot of skin, a lot of, and then I saw this like really sort of heartfelt, like sort of serenade of to love and this sort of like love letter to love and I was like what the fuck (laughs) I have a bit of a trivia question for you so remember this is 
unrelated to Moulin Rouge. I'm sorry, but this fuck my life. I have I do not have trivia questions. <gasps> I'm going to make this up on the spot. Oh no. <laughs> I forgot that this is a thing that I had to do, but anyway, go on. Okay, uh, guess which song won the best Oscar when Reflection from fucking Mulan was nominated for an Oscar? Mm. Was it the Eminem song? No, actually it was um, When We Believe from The Prince of Egypt, which is a really good song. Mm. Uh, It's Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, so like, fuck yes. But also reflection. Come on, Oscar. I just think that it's Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. So yeah, yeah. You know how the Oscars they never reward the art. It's just like whose time it the is. Legacy. And just the legacy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what they're rewarding. I just think it was a yeah. good. And it's not a bad song. I mean, I really do love that song. But yeah, I love that song as well. But I think we're just growing up. We related more to reflection than we did to the other very, one. very south asian song <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think this it might be it might be one of the reasons why we love mulan so much is that it is a little bit yeah a lot entrenched patriarchy and yeah yeah in that sense you're right i did relate to mulan more than like aladdin and like you know princess jasmine because she was like an elitist snob mm-hmm. no thank you no, but also I've never I've never really understood uh, princes. Just like the 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 setting of Aladdin, I never really understand. In terms of, and just the cultural context, like how, what are they? Oh, I see. <laughs> are they Persian? Are they fully Indian? Are they Arab? Like I think what? They're Arab. I mean, I don't know why I think that, but yeah, they have tigers. So like, why the fuck are they Arab? Because tigers are associated with like the subcontinent. I mean, I know that it was Arabian Nights was like a Chinese story, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think all brown people look alike, according to Disney. So it's just like an amalgamation. Like Black Panther is an amalgamation of like all of Africa. And it's like, you know, East Asia, East Africa and South Africa and West mm. African influences. And so it's like, well, okay, but it's kind of reductive. Oh, yeah. Also really want to sort of shout out to Chadwick Boseman. I'm a brown woman. I am not a black woman, but I just feel like Black Panther was really inspirational. And it's a really fucking sad thing. It really is. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace indeed. Yeah. Such an icon, such an important film. Once again, like uh, superhero movies are really not my cup of tea, but this was such an important superhero film. Yeah. I, yeah, I just think of all of this potential that's just like lost to the ether and I don't know what to do with that information. Anyway, let's not do that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the best segue in the history of the world. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I jotted down to talk to you about is like tonal shifts. And this is a tonal shift from like a sad part of the podcast to like a fun one, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like Moulin Rouge does the tonal shift really well. So this is like a term that I became aware of when I was like first into film and, you know, studying cinema and all the rest of it and Hitchcock used to do it a lot where you know initially his movies were like whatever you know maybe they were love stories or you know character studies and then they turned into this like dread or you know terror and suspense and all the rest of it and I feel like this movie did it very um, smoothly like seamlessly like it went from like this joyous ride about people 
who were just about to get their dreams and then it, the latter half of it is really fucking depressing no i agree um we need something to like for with every movie or with every sort of storytelling technique we need something that we're going to care about and so for us to care about um satine and christian uh we sort of needed to be invested in their worlds and just understand like their circumstances before we could fully like relate to the tragedy yeah in that case i i do agree that the tonal shift is very it's, it's mm-hmm. smooth but also mm-hmm. sudden yeah i i agree with that it's seamless but it's abrupt <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's an oxymoron because they reference it in the first like 2 minutes of the movie so you are mm-hmm. expecting it so it's not just like what the fuck happened yeah yeah but the first half of the movie was like the spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down as mary poppins says oh yeah that's what it was just the comedy and just the the framing device itself is super super sad <laughs> and depressing so you i mean right away right in the first 5 minutes you do understand that this is a tragedy but then the comedy almost kind of slapstick comedy yeah over the top yeah over the top comedy like the hyper realism of that comedy and just um also this is something that um this was something that Baz Luhrmann learned from bollywood oh, wow. uh so when he did uh, go to watch like these couple of bollywood films he saw that the comedy the, the level of comedy was really low but people loved that shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like the, the low hanging fruit jokes yeah come lowest comedy denominator yeah but people loved that shit so that is something that was also very very thoughtfully inserted into the film yeah mariam on the count of 3 can we please um say what we think the major defining comedy sound is in indian movies do you know what i'm talking about but on the count of 3 uh, i actually don't i haven't <laughs> seen enough indian movies oh shit i have seen so many indian movies it's basically tyone oh, tyone <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> It's just in Indian movies anytime there is like a stupid joke it goes tyamoloni. <laughs> It is the stupidest fucking thing. Jesus Christ. I get also want to talk about now the uh so how what do you think of the elephant love medley the this the entire medley that is saying on the elephant as the name suggests <laughs> yeah i really liked it and i feel like nicole kidman makes mm-hmm. that scene because she is this sort of like cold like alabaster statue at the beginning of the scene and by the end she's like this like warm you know human person and she did that transition really well i'm sort of a cynic still i feel like love isn't all butterflies and rainbows it's sort of you know it's it's uh, it's compromise as maroon 5 said it i just quote maroon 5 that's really depressing i thought you'd be um i thought you were quoting seema from mumbai <laughs> <laughs> who's that <laughs> oh man what the fuck our listeners would know our listeners would know momna now like the listeners and i have like a secret joke oh no you have a secret <laughs> obsession all to yourself <laughs> <laughs> no it's um it's from the the show that sir blew up on netflix uh indian matchmaking oh the matchmaking oh yeah, right indian matchmaking so the matchmaker basically always tells girls that you have to compromise but she never tells guys that <laughs> oh what a bitch oh no she's not i actually really like her she's so entertaining but she sounds sexist but anyway. oh yeah she's hella sexist but she's also super entertaining <laughs> oh okay yeah 
oh i see that's how you like her yeah yeah i also really love how just like hyper edited in terms of color the film is like you know the reds are really popping out red but what i really love is what um the just the i'm sure there's a term for it but the editing in terms of color what it does to their eyes like Nicole Kidman's eyes become just like icy blue and even McGregor's eyes are almost purple. Oh wow. I did not notice that. Maybe I shouldn't have seen it on a laptop. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a side note. So like Lord of the Rings is one of my biggest obsessions in life. I love the books, I love the movies. Don't at me, but um <laughs> in it Peter Jackson cuz Galadriel is like this, you know, otherworldly, ethereal, elvish creature. So he actually had like a special rig made up yeah. for Kate Blanchett's eyes yeah. so that her eyes looked like they were reflecting starlight <laughs> and now that i know that fact every time i look at it it's so unsettling but it's so like you know mm-hmm. eerie but beautiful and oh. i just feel like that is the kind of sort of detail that peter jackson should be just lauded for for yeah. the rest of his fucking life having seen the mess that was game of thrones like adapting like i think a superior book into like a shittier show I just feel like damn that is some good <laughs> stuff. I got I know I'm I bring this up in every episode but the more you talk about like the western media and how they are sort of appreciated for the innovations that they put in and like the attention to detail that they give the more I'm surprised how like the eastern media is kind of excluded from that narrative. So you know the sparkly um lens or whatever you're talking about mm-hmm. this is something that K-pop stars have been doing since the 90s. Oh, because damn. they're super into the sparkly eye and the the wink at the camera. <laughs> yep, it's probably not what Jackson has pioneered. Probably something he got from K-pop. <laughs> Never mentioned. <laughs> it's canon now. <laughs> uh-huh. But every time you say excluded from the narrative I just a picture of Taylor Swift with like her pinky cocked and her handbag on her left forearm pops into my head. Oh my god. You've done this to me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We've Karen'd her. She's basically our version of Karen. She is. Yeah, we should call them Taylors now. It's such a gender neutral name that it's not the same. Okay, I feel like we have talked about this quite enough. Do you think it's now time for our trivia sec- segment? Yes. Can I Just a small nitpicky thing I have with this movie. If Nicole Kidman has consumption, and I've heard about consumption a lot, and I had to actually Google it because I knew mm-hmm. it was like sort of an infectious disease, but I didn't know exactly what it was. So consumption is TB, as you obviously know. But consumption is contagious, people. How the hell is she kissing Ewan McGregor all over the fucking face, and he doesn't have TB? It don't make no sense. Okay, moving on. Oh fuck, TB is contagious. Bimbo moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Just a oh small detail that I wanted Baz Luhrmann to sort of pay attention to, but it's yeah. okay. Wow, I've never I didn't know that it just changes so much. Well, first she didn't know. But first of all, she didn't know because they hid it from her. Otherwise it would have been like, what the hell? That's so rude. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. All right. So now is now is the time for our trivia questions. Oh, do you have something? Yeah. So I think I might have spo- spoiled the first question, but I'm going to start with an easy one and see how much you pay attention to me talking. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so even McGregor plays the role of Christian. Mhm. 
Which of the following actors also auditioned for the same role? Ooh, interesting. Number one, Leonardo DiCaprio. Number two, Heath Ledger. Number three, Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm going to say I wouldn't have guessed this if you hadn't like said anything, but now I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio because <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about him all episode. Final answer? <laughs> yes, please. Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Trick question. All of these actors oh, auditioned to Damn. <laughs> Yeah. So Leonardo DiCaprio, Heath Ledger, Jake. Yeah, I feel like Ewan McGregor is the best choice. I don't know how how those other guys could sing though, so maybe that makes a difference. But I think all three of them would be would be good for the role because I mean it's just a white boy in love. Uh, but the, so, the voice. But the voice, yeah. I think the reason why Leonardo DiCaprio was out was because they decided to make this movie into a musical, which they didn't do with Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah. I actually found out this was part of his, like, it's called the Red Curtain Trilogy, which includes Romeo and Juliet and another movie whose name I forget. Strictly Ballroom? Yes, I haven't seen it. Have you? Yeah, Strictly Ballroom. Sounds boring as fuck. You should see it someday. (laughs) Two kinds of people. It does sound boring, which is probably why I've never seen it. And also Strictly Ballroom just reminds me of Strictly Come Dancing. Absolutely, that is it. That is 100% the reason <laughs> that I'm turned off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, so wow, those everyone um, auditioned for it then, apparently. Uh, yeah, all the it boys of the early 2000s auditioned for it. I think of Jake Gyllenhaal as far too young than the others. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. He might be a little bit younger than the yeah, other maybe. two. Okay, moving on. Question two. I'm doing mm-hmm. one out of three so far. I have, I have confidence. Okay, question number two. So Moulin Rouge was the first musical to be nominated for an Oscar in 10 years. What was the last movie that was before Moulin Rouge that was nominated for an Oscar? The last movie musical. Can I have a hint about when this movie came out? You said 2000 and something. I've forgotten. 2001 is when Moulin Rouge came out. Okay, so 91. Grease is too old. La La Land is too new. So 91 <laughs> musicals. Ooh, is it? Um, okay, so I have, I have two things in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about them. So don't consider this as my final answer. Mm-hmm. I think Footloose was way older than 91. And I think, what's the other one? Oh, the time of my life. Is it the same as Footloose? No, it's not. What's that called? Do you know the movie? Great Gatsby. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's really old. No one puts baby in a corner. Dirty dancing. And a dirty dancing. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So I'm going to go with Footloose. I don't know why. It's the only one I can think of. Footloose would be... Older? uh, I think it's from the 80s, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, it's 1984. It's 1984. Let me think about this some more. Yeah. Okay, so we were born. And so that was the time of The Little Mermaid and Lion King and Jurassic Park. And I'm trying to think of who was famous back then. Uh, 91. Oh, geez. I don't know. Tell me. Okay. So the last movie before Moulin Rouge, the last movie musical to be nominated for an Oscar was Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Damn it. I did not think (laughs) Disney counted. That's so unfair. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I would have gotten that if it wasn't for you meddling kids. (laughs) And I would have gone away with it too. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. That makes sense. Huge. Great songs. <laughs> Huge, as Donald Trump would say. Okay. Final mm-hmm. trivia question. So, as you would, Moulin Rouge has been adapted okay. 
uh, to a Broadway musical. Ooh. Or I should say a, a stage musical first and then it went to Broadway. Mm-hmm. And as you would with any Broadway musical, they have added their own spins, one of which is adding some more contemporary music. Ooh. So they have stuck with most of the songs in Satine's entrance, one of which is obviously Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. But they also added a contemporary song to this list. What diva track have they added? Option one. Okay, I like options. Single Ladies, Single Ladies by Beyonce. Okay. Option two, Poker Face by Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Option three, California Girls by Katy oh. Perry. Option four, Dangerous Woman by Ariana Grande. Oh, no. Okay, so your mm-hmm. wording made me eliminate two of them. So nobody thinks of Gaga as a diva and nobody thinks of uh, Katy Perry as a diva. <gasps> I'm sorry, but I think of divas, I think of like Whitney, Mariah, Ariana, and Christina. <laughs> no? The 2010 kids are just going to fight you. I think they're all coming for you. <laughs> Don't fight with my logic. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like in the vein of the movie... I personally feel like it's between single ladies and what was the last one? The last one is Dangerous Woman by Ariana Grande. Oh, so I feel like with the vein of the movie and because they're making it super contemporary, I feel like it's going to be Dangerous Woman by Ariana or Ari as I call her. (laughs) Final answer? Final answer. Okay, that is wrong. The correct answer (laughs) is... Single ladies by Beyonce. Oh no. <laughs> That's a horrible. <laughs> that is the worst Beyonce. It is, isn't it? It just doesn't fit. It does not fit. I I am fucking I fucking love the choreography of the song. So the song will always have too. a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just does not fit. Yeah. I feel like I added Dangerous Woman because I just feel like that would be more in the vein of like that opening number that Satine was Yeah, doing. absolutely. But single ladies, damn. The whole point of her is to not be a single lady, I feel, <laughs> for Satine. She mm-hmm. just wants to be in love. Oh, yeah. But anyway... Anyway, so that brings us to the end of our trivia section. I'm really <laughs> bummed out about getting one on three, by the way. I thought I would do better. <laughs> With my full two hours of research, meaning I watched the film. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I think we are nearing the end of the episode. So do you kind of want to take over? Sure thing. So, um... Well, first of all, what I'm really curious about is you spoke about when you were obsessed with it, you were 12. But since we've analyzed this in a lot of detail, I'm really interested mm. in why. Why does this movie speak to you so much? I just really love escapism, right? That's some, That's probably one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I love pop music. You know, when people people talk about what their favorite songs are, nobody ever really mentions a pop song because it's like it's more in fashion mm-hmm. to name something highbrow or something indie or something a, a little bit more meaningful than a pop song. But for me, I just love, like, the way that I consume pop culture or media in general is for escapism, which is why I watch so much, like, um, I've seen more trash TV shows than I've seen, like, meaningful, well-made ones. Because to me, it sometimes feels like homework. So I'm like, oh my god, I just kind of want to unwind. I want to not think when I'm when I'm mm-hmm. when I want to be entertained and sometimes I do want to think and sort of watch something that's a little bit more thought-provoking but I just really like I really like film or music that sort of 
you know, carries me to another world. So I really love the hyper-realism in it. I love the melodrama. I love tragedies. <laughs> I so the I'm not the biggest fan of like romantic films, but when it's a tragedy, sign me the fuck up. I really liked it. I also loved that the love story was really, really simple yes. and predictable. That's yeah. usually something that people don't like when when something that they watch is predictable. But mm-hmm. I really like that because it helped me. Yeah, it's like chicken soup. It's like something that you just know it's gonna be there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's just like a warm hug, or just a. Sun. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I I love it, and I love the music in it. Well, you know I'm a sucker for music, and usually, uh, music in films, you know, is a love it or hate hate it situation. Mm. I freaking love even McGregor's voice. Um, just the way he sings in the film. Um, it's so great. I don't know why he just didn't become like a full time <laughs> singer. Yeah, like a Hugh Jackman character yeah 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 exactly exactly you know i uh, hugh jackman is like super charismatic but as uh like i i have a love-hate relationship with him uh but yeah this is basically why i love the film i just love the escapism aspect of it and how just simple it is and how um just the rewatchability um i can watch this over and over if i had to watch one film for the rest of my life this is the film that i would choose damn I like it. Yeah. Yeah. My my film by the way would be You've Got Mail. I just think that is the most perfect film oh, ever really? made. Yeah, it's just beautiful and I love it. And I'm again I think you have this impression that I'm like this sort of cynic and stuff and I think I am in many ways, but that film sort of just does something to me because it's two people connecting on just conversation, which is like my porn. <laughs> but yeah, mm. I really like that film. But yeah, that that I need to rewatch it because yes. when I when I watched it, I just kind of shrugged it away. I just watched it once and never again. Yeah, maybe it's, it's too dated for me. That's another thing I love about Moulin Rouge is it just it doesn't feel dated to me. It but really doesn't. Like you've got mail. Yeah, that is true. You've got mail is given away by the like the <laughs> the internet sounds yeah. from like the 90s yeah it's like that it's like that uh britney spears song email my heart Ooh, <laughs> i did not i don't know why that <laughs> it just does not it just does not age well it's just one of those damn <laughs> like you've got mail has some like really amazing lines one that stands out to me is like when they're talking to each other and he says um it makes me want to buy you school supplies like he talks about new york in the fall and he says it makes me want to buy myself school supplies i would send you a bouquet of newly sharpened pencils if i knew your name and address and i don't know why the phrase oh. bouquet of newly sharpened pencils like just does something to me mm. as someone who's really into stationery it's just like it's so beautifully written that movie it's amazing it's like a very feminine perspective of love is does that like interest you does that intrigue you i'm no i'm actually it's a little bit difficult for me for me to connect with it but i'm trying to draw a comparison like if someone were to be to like use the same sensibility in a pickup line and adapt to something i like like what should this person say for you be like ooh a yoga mat or something <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck okay of yoga mats <laughs> i just think of you as this like super healthy person which i am not I am not a healthy person at all. I just like to exercise a little oh, bit. Oh, there we go. 
But no, somebody could be like, uh, uh, I just want to get you a bouquet of your favorite K-pop boys' photo cards <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to buy you all the Beatles yeah. records. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. So like Nora Ephron is my like porn sensibility. So I like, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's interesting. <laughs> I like the way, yeah. I, I like the simplicity of Moulin Rouge as well. And, and just how it's not trying to be something that it's not. It's just like, here is pomp here is like celebration and then here is like a really yeah. sad yeah. love story oh my god like cool, cool 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 so now we come to the last bit of our podcast of today's episode podcast of today's episode Uh-oh. this is this should be like our tagline <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can tell it's midnight again <laughs> oh it's basically it's what 35 minutes away from my birthday <laughs> Yes, I have an alarm on, but I won't need it anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway. There's like two friends whose birthday alarms I have had on every cell phone. Like I make it a point to transfer it. Oh, man. It's you and another mutual <laughs> friend of ours. But... Jenny buddies, as we like to call it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is very hard to translate. It is, yeah. Some things just don't translate because it is, it's like our version of English, right? Yeah. It just translates to chuddy buddies, translates to underpants friends, underpants friends, which is like, not <laughs> or the like same. diaper buddies. Diaper buddies. I like diaper that. Diaper buddies. That's better. Diaper yeah. buddies or, I don't know, the playground buddies. Is, I think there have there is a similar word for it. And yeah, there must be, I'm sure. But anyway, Momina, now yes. we, ha- we have arrived towards the final segment of today's episode. Mm-hmm. And I obviously have the million dollar question. Yes. How do you rate my secret obsession? Well, Mariam, glad you asked. Um, uh, I would rate your secret obsession a solid nine. What? I'm very surprised. <laughs> Are you surprised as well? I'm so I surprised just... that I startled my cat that, that, that I'm babysitting. Not my cat, but yeah. What? I really fucking enjoyed it. I need to watch more musicals. It was a delight. I loved oh. it. I was invested in their relationship. The songs were oh amazing. God. The play on the song, the way they sort of manipulated the songs to fit the storyline. Mm. It looked beautiful. It was just really funny as well. I love this movie. And you're right. It is very rewatchable. And I will be rewatching oh it again. Oh my God. That makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yay. I feel like I score you a lot higher than you score me. <laughs> That's fine. Excuse me. Do be fair. Like your interests are so controversial. Minor downers. <laughs> But they're all not just downers. They're super controversial as well. Oh, that's Imagine true. if like, I, yeah. gave, I gave the Dietlo Fast yeah. like a 10 on 10. Like I was just thinking, yeah. I was just thinking how the families would feel about this. Oh yeah, you're obsessed with conspiracies about our children's death or whatever. We might be pulled. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Well, that is very true. But yeah. Yeah. Sad times. Okay. I would like to, before we end this podcast, I would just like to do something that's going to slightly annoy you. And I hope I okay. cued this up right. But. <gasps> oh my God. I made sure. <laughs> because I knew. Because I knew the original Happy Birthday song is copyrighted and you can't even use that in movies. And I didn't want to podcast to get taken down i searched for the most indian woman singing happy 
unplugged my mic from Happy laughing. Happy birthday! So I love you. Aw, thanks. Oh, You're finally as old as me, I think. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Finally, we're all caught up. All caught up. So on that note, I guess we will have to see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Stay obsessed. Stay obsessed. Yes, we need to start saying that more. Ha, ha, ha.